0: Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew.
1: Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times. This is Kat Greenberg. I'm here with my co-host. Matt Werner. How you doing, Matt? It's Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. I, I tend to be like the somber one on Friday. Like, I've had a hell of a week, and it's been productive.
2: Like I haven't.
1: Well, I, you know, <laughs> are we going to have a match here about who had more of a hell of a week? You know, Matt and I are like Mr. and Mrs. Smith, for those of you who've gotten to know us over the past, I guess we're now into our 18th. No, 21st episode. And I, you know what I'm really excited about, and I just want to shout out to our audience, a great big hug and thank you for making us uh, number one pick on Voice America over the last week. And we can't thank you enough for all the on-demand shows that you guys and gals are downloading. And we hope from the top of our hearts that we are adding value to your life. We are on a mission here to shout out the love on a weekly basis to everybody in law enforcement, public safety, and special forces, special operations, special response teams, anybody who's out there, as Matthew likes to say, doing God's work. So just know that we're here for you.
2: Thank you. Thank you, everybody.
1: So today we have um, a guest who I was honored to have on my other podcast with Rally Nadler called Leadership Development News, and for those of you who've been following us, we've been on the air with Voice America at LDN for going on our 17th year now. And uh, I think we're in 60 countries now with uh, over 5 million listeners at Voice America, so congratulations to uh, Voice America. And one of the things that we were really excited to talk about was uh, a new book that came out called Designing Transformative Experiences. And those of you who are in law enforcement are probably thinking, what the hell, it's my favorite word today, hell. Um, is Designing Transformative Experiences. Well, you're in for a real treat because our guest today, uh, Brad McLean, uh, is an expert in the area of identity emerging identity, understanding the narrative that impacts our identity, and we all know that law enforcement right now is in a little bit of an identity crisis because we are changing the name of law enforcement to public safety. We are changing the look and feel of unity and community policing, and that's putting some impact on how our officers are relating to each other, to their experiences, uh, and to even wanting to be in the profession anymore. Uh, At least that's what Matthew and I hear when we do our work coaching in law enforcement. Any comments on that, Matt? Yeah, I'm going to be the PI here, the professional interrupter. (laughs) Um, And
2: honestly, Kat, I, I think that it's not just in law enforcement, but also with society and also with DOD. I mean, you see all the changes that are going with, uh, you know, our professional leaders across the board, it's very um, VUCA, uh, which is volatile, uncertain, chaotic, and ambiguous, and it's not a good
1: place to live. Well, we know that wellness uh, is an important factor, uh, and uh, we want to thank our sponsors, the National Command and Staff College and Magnus Works with an X.com for helping us provide all of you with support at your fingertips. And um, as we bring Brad on, I just want to give you a little bit of background on Brad. He, uh, he joins us with a motto that I love, uh, aspire to inspire before you expire. And it, it really says it all, right? So we're going to have an engaging dialogue today on how an emergence mindset in our daily practice can really support a healthier image of ourselves and safeguard our identity. And we're gonna learn how to flip the switch on some of our mental routines with some new ideas and approaches that Brad has for us today from his book, Designing Transformative Experiences, which I love. And we're gonna do a little bit of critical thinking today about how we want to approach our lives. We're hopefully going to boost some self-confidence for peak performance by increasing something we know works really well in emotional intelligence called self-awareness for emerging successfully from routine experiences or life-challenging situations. So we're pleased to have you today. Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kat. And hello, Matt.
3: Happy Friday. And just so I can get this in right off the, the top and not feel excluded. What the hell? We're back. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, it, it's been it's been one of those weeks, Brad, where, you know, I, I came down with some kind of a, you know, bug, and I've been fighting it all week, but trying to keep my schedule. Uh, and, of course, we beat ourselves up for not being able to keep up. You know, and and I – preach, don't be on your case, be on your side. And here I am doing that thing that I tell everybody else not to do, and I have to shake myself, right? And I say, self, look, I know what your identity is as an expert, as a professional, as somebody who's promised to deliver here, but you got to be a little forgiving because this is not going to be the week that you're going to be at your best. And that's really hard.
3: Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a, a, a very uh, astute observation, I would say, because how many times are we absolutely at our best and firing out all cylinders? We're always something dialed back from that, right? And we're having to juggle all kinds of things in our lives. And it's true for any profession, uh, law enforcement especially. We're not just bringing the one identity. Not just the blue identity comes to work. All of our identities come to work. And when they harmonize, we are on it, with it, in it, and good. And when they're not harmonizing or even when they're conflicting, it gets hard real fast.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. So, um, Matt, you want to ask the golden question about uh, influence? Yeah, so usually, uh, Brian,
2: uh, sorry, Um, we open up the show with uh, law enforcement experts that uh, you know come in and uh we we'd like to learn just for the audience like how did you get into the field of expertise that you've actually gotten into
3: oh um, boy Ugh. yeah <laughs> how much time do we have for this interview <laughs> you know I, I i was talking with cat a, a week or so ago a few days back about um uh, about this podcast and I started telling her some stories about um, how my professional role as a social scientist studying identity and how it governs our behavior uh, ties in with my experience over the years with law enforcement. And um, it goes all the way back to when I was 10 years old and had a police officer mentor in my, in my childhood and all through the rest of my adulthood, a guy named Bob Langford. He was a role model to me and shaped me. At first, he was like a resource officer at my school and later became my martial arts instructor and karate, uh, taekwondo, um, MMA, all of this stuff that I've done ever since I was 10 years old. I even owned and operated my own martial arts school for 10 years here in Boulder, Colorado, um, because of his influence. Uh, And his presence in my life, whether we're in contact or not, as as everyone knows, role models are always with us, shaping who we think we are, our identities, but most importantly, who we want to become. And he has always been with me, still alive, uh, not in the force anymore, long since retired. You know, later, even that, he became my scuba instructor because he did search and recovery training for the department. And so when I wanted to learn scuba, uh, he was my karate instructor, my scuba instructor, uh, he was police officer extraordinaire, and shaped my ideas of what policing was, who they were, and what they did. Now, this was way back in the 80s, you know, early 80s, uh, all through the 90s, and, and now up to today. Uh, so much so, so he brought on the, a second influence that I had. I was just out of school working my first job, low man on the totem pole and they had some sort of training, volunteer training, uh, going on over a brown bag lunch. Uh, I was working at a science lab somewhere, and uh, they brought in this guy named John Nicoletti, and John Nicoletti was giving a talk on workplace safety, and I was running the martial arts school at the time, so I went up to him afterwards, strike up a conversation, and we became fast friends. Uh, and he, turns out, many people listening will know him, He's a police psychologist, works with departments all over the country, but also does violence prevention training for schools, businesses, uh, private individuals. He started the psychology uh, that we now call police psychology before we even had a name for it. He wanted to be an FBI crime profiler, uh, and uh, they didn't even have such a job at the FBI back in the day. John's a few years older than we are. And then he invented, you know, part, helped to invent this, this whole idea of police psychology and ended up working back for the FBI and multiple police departments across the country as a consultant and now runs a staff of about 20 psychologists uh, based here out of uh, Golden, Colorado, and, or I think he's in Denver now. Anyway, uh, Nicoletti and his wife, Slater Associates, and they were instrumental. John and I, John Nicoletti and I started a business for personal safety uh, while I was running a martial arts school where we, uh, worked with schools and corporations and companies large and small to train, uh, their staff how to respond to crises and intervention, uh, crisis intervention training for civilians, basically. Uh, we did some training for police, uh, and, uh, prison guards at Supermax. We did training for, uh, school teachers in the wake of the Columbine, uh, crisis and, and tragedy and school violence uh, ever since he's been involved in. The last program we did together was about three years ago after the uh, abduction of a young girl here in Colorado, Jessica Ridgeway, who later tragically was found um, killed. And the schools and parents were very fearful in our communities here in Colorado, and so we did a small tour of talks to dispel the myths about violence, uh, the roles that we can all play to ensure safe communities and kids and and schools. Uh, And that included law enforcement's role and as a partner for uh, all the community leaders who were coming together and the the parents who were uh, needing to educate their children about these violent things. So John Nicoletti and Bob Langford, the police officer I knew and shaped my idea of what policing was all about from a very young age were my two influences. When I became a social scientist looking at identity, of course, I was interested in the identity of law enforcement, which is struggling, as Kat pointed out, uh, in many ways under attack with the anti-cop attitude that's out there and these narratives uh, that are kind of shaping up in our country about us versus them, which makes policing all that much harder uh, on so many levels, which we'll talk about here, I know.
1: Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for that really impressive background with regard to how law enforcement professionals, without even trying, have been such a key part of your development and how you think about how people come to their, if you will, careers from various backgrounds. And your experience with John Nicoletti, obviously, and, um, you know, Recognizing how important everybody's personal safety is by contributing to it uh, gives us some real good insight into some of the things that you probably have experienced. You know, one of the things that we love to talk about on this show are how we became who we are. And as a stepping stone that you just described, I think you've also had some critical experiences um, in in the line of your duty at uh, an organization we all know called NASA that also started to shape the narrative of who you are that you used to teach from in designing transformative experiences. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely.
3: I never turned down an opportunity, and thank you for inviting me to talk about it. When I worked at NASA, I was working on the space shuttle program, and by the way, a, a huge intersection with uh, our military armed forces, because a good percentage of the astronaut corps comes from military background. And when I worked with the space shuttle crew for a mission called STS-107, over half of the crew was a uh, former military transition to the astronaut corps. And um, I was privileged to work with this group of astronauts on this particular mission, STS-107, which stands for Space Transportation System. All the shuttle missions were named STS, some number. Uh, and this one was, uh, the, the final flight of the Columbia. The Columbia Space Shuttle, which was our first space shuttle to go in, our nation's first space shuttle to go into space way back in 81, still in service and going up for this mission, uh, and this crew of seven, uh, just wonderful people. Unfortunately, on launch, as, as people will recall, um, a piece of foam broke off the main engine, uh, the main engine fuel tank, and punched a hole in the left wing of the orbiter. And they didn't discover the problem until the crew was in orbit on on mission, uh, and they were up for a couple weeks doing their their mission and all of their activity. It was on reentry uh, that the heat shield was breached and the orbiter disintegrated. So all seven of my colleagues, wonderful people, were killed. It plunged our space program into a uh, downward spiral. It was, as I described at the beginning of the end of the space shuttle program, um, at the same time as these other private companies started to rise up to the challenge and partnering with NASA to develop new space capabilities, which we see now. But for me, you know, in the aftermath of that tragedy, I was plunged into a, a year of depression. And here I was uh, with my projects and my work completely dismantled and their lives over. And I was left with the question, was it worth it? Was all of this time and effort worth it? I know a lot of people listening are, are asking themselves the same question, whatever their service to the country has been law enforcement, military, others. Uh, what's it all about? And we all have to be able to answer this question. And it turns out the answers change over time in that year of depression for me. I went from bitterness and anger and depression and purposelessness, because my whole life at that point had been directed towards contributing to the, to the space program, uh, to slowly recognize it. Would these people who died, would they have, if they knew how it was going to turn out, would they have traded their lives for this mission? You know, the, the things they were doing, the science they were doing on the mission. And I, and I don't think they would. I talked about this in one of my TEDx talks. I don't think they would have traded their lives. They would not have said it was worth it. But the thing they did do, and I talked with them numerous times about this before they went up, is that they were willing to risk their lives for something bigger than they were themselves, to be part of something that served us all. And I'm not just talking about our nation, of course, our nation's space program, but all of humanity, to make this world a better, safer, more secure and hopeful place. They were willing to risk everything they had to give. And that is what fate asked them to do. They ended up giving everything they had. That transformed me because I had to then ask my question, what was I willing to transform myself? What was I willing to risk and give of myself like they did? And I better come up with an answer if my life's going to have
1: purpose. So Brad, we're going to pause right there. We're going to um, come back to this absolutely engaging conversation. Yep. Uh, you know, Matthew's really touched by it, and he was um, I think he was trying to be a professional interrupter here to see if he could engage <laughs> you a little bit. But we're going to actually go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking about some of the lessons learned from being in the line of duty... Um, and not being able to say goodbye to people, uh, understanding that human emotions are, they're not, uh, they're not emotions that we can reproduce without well-being and the resources and nurturing to do that. So don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Time.
3: voice america at facebook.com forward slash voice america for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts
4: results will always favor the peak performer magnus is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to magnus Magnusworks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental physical and emotional well-being it spans every aspect of your daily life get started now inspire educate impact and transcend magnusworks.com that's magnus w-o-r-x.com how can you be brilliant in the moment given the daily challenges you face at work and home How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership.
1: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Um, We have a very special guest today, uh, Brad McLean, and he's a doctor in the, uh, the behavioral world as far as how the brain works and... Um, just going through life's processes of having a significant impact into one's personal life. Um, as a lot of the listeners, I know that you are all going through, um, you know, serving others, doing what's best for your, uh, purpose as well as for society. Um, but his is unique, which, uh, he worked with NASA and he's been sharing his story with us. So. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the, uh, on the, on the cast here, Brett.
3: Thank you, Matt. You know, we were just talking over the break. Uh, I guess it is kind of a unique situation that I was in, uh, when I had my time at NASA years ago and the space shuttle challenge, uh, that I had this, you know, the challenger being the first space shuttle accident and the Columbia being the second one. That's what I was part of. But, you know, uh, we were just talking and sharing, hearing some of your experiences, tip of the iceberg, Matt, that you know, they're unique, but they're not. We all face loss. We all face, as Kat was just saying, those situations where we don't get to say goodbye and somebody's gone and, and they disappear. And, and sometimes we send them. Sometimes we don't know about it. Um, you know, I, 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 and I read about this in my book, uh, Designing Transformative Experiences, you know, that old saying that we're all just one phone call away from our needs. And, uh, that morning, early February 1st, uh, 2003, when the, when the Columbia went down, you know, I got that phone call. I was living in Texas at the time. If I had been outside of my backyard, I probably could have seen the debris falling down from two or 250,000 feet because it rained down over, over Texas and all the Southern states that they were making their approach for Kennedy Space Center landing strip. And, um... You know, I, I dropped to my knees, and uh, all of a sudden, my identity was changed. I was now um, a survivor of sorts, uh, someone going through a trauma. I didn't know how long the storm would last. I, I don't even know if the storm is over. I, it just changed. It became a new normal for me, and I integrated it. You know, And I said to myself, like I said before the break, what am I going to do with my life that will honor these people who gave their lives? what am I willing to risk everything for? And that set me off on the wild goose chase to become a social scientist and study identity and say, that's, I'm not going to be an astronaut. I'm not going into space. That boat has sailed. Right. (laughs) But, but I, I'm going to pursue my passion, contribute in this way and and give my talents, which are different, but I'm going to give my life to this pursuit. And I don't know where it's going to take me, but every chance I get, I'm going to honor them. I'm going to tell their story. I'm going to bring them with me as a part of my identity that reminds me to get up, get moving, get going, whenever I'm feeling down, lazy, self-pity, whatever it is. Uh, and some days it worked better than others, but that, that transformation for me was powerful. I know a lot of people listening are going to relate to that, even it was a, a unique situation for me, but everyone has their unique situation. No one's ever lived your life before, so of course it's unique, but we resonate with each other, I think.
1: You know, you said something very powerful, Uh, maybe it was on the break, but you said, there's no way out you have to go through. Can you talk a little bit more about that for our audience who may be, in fact, trying to understand how to emerge successfully through a life-challenging situation that they're still processing?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, and I'm a big believer that we never stop processing. You know, there's no way out but through. I love bumper sticker wisdom when it actually is wisdom instead of just a quip, and that one is actually wisdom because, you know, you want you want so much to uh, to go around, to go back, to go over, to go under, to do anything but take that step forward into that horrible storm. And that is exactly the invitation that life is giving. I always say designing tra- transformative experiences in my book. If, if you're a leader, if you're uh, even just leading your own life or you're designing a training or you're designing a, a mission, you're designing something for others, uh, you're giving them life invitations. And, and a lot of that is designing invitations. So when life gives you an invitation to go through a trauma, that is the way we grow. If we try to go around, back, up, down, around it in any way, uh, it's a form of denial or risk avoidance. And the treasure that's waiting for us is always to go through it. But that's also where the heartache is, the heartbreak is. That's where the scary de- demons and, and, and boogeymen are. That's But that's why that's where the treasure is, because when we work through an identity trauma, and I call these identity traumas because they force us to change that person looking back at us in the mirror. Not to abandon that person. Uh, and not to change into an entirely different person. But to change aspects of our identity. Forging new identities that will carry us through into the unknown. Right? So we've had a trauma. We're facing something hard. We're going through something difficult. Uh, it could be coping with a past, uh, you know, Crisis or, or, or disaster or tragedy, like my case, it could be something that you're anticipating that's starting to get hard. In all these cases, life's going to give us an invitation to forge a new identity that will carry us forward. The old identity isn't going to work, not the way it was. What are the new things we have to bring into our sense of self, and how does that work? Well, that's what I, I cover in the book a lot, in my, a lot of my work. Uh, how do we do that in a practical sense? And it all starts with the story we're telling ourselves about who we are. Uh, like the blue identity. What does it mean to be a police officer? And how does that have yeah. to change as, as, as we go through it?
2: You know what, Brad? I, you know, I, I just, uh, I love exactly how you're telling the story about your own personal life. And, you know, I, I'm thinking through this when, When I've lost brothers in arms and been through, you know, catastrophic, um, you know, missions or anything that goes south, it's, uh, we usually have teammates that are around us. And, uh, we get through that, you know, we end up in Arlington, you know, um, you know, given our, our, uh, I don't want to say this soul, but, you know, just kind of going through the processes and then we're back on the horse, uh, you know, back out on the next mission. Now yeah. from your experience with the identity, we lose that identity uh, because like I said, we're immediately, you know, we're, we're surrounded by teammates. And then also, you know, we go up and give our respects and do our best that we can. And then we're back on the horse Um, and throughout decades of doing that, it's, uh, you become numb to it. So being from your, um, you know, you're, you're part of the, the, uh, you know, society and your, your expertise, how did you get through this? Did you have, um, teammates that supported you, uh, through this troubled time, uh, also as a individual, as we, we all are, um, you know, how, how do you get through something so um, troubling and, and so yeah. traumatic?
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. And uh, the, the idea of having a group to go through it with is hugely important. Um, one of my best friends from uh, high school just retired lieutenant colonel in the Army, and uh, he's facing retirement and identity change, you know, from that life he loved. In the forces, and uh, and the people he loved to work with, and the structure he loved, to now being isolated and cut off from that in a very real way. I see the same thing with uh, high-caliber athletes who try to retire. I always think of Michael Jordan, who, who retired, went to baseball, came back to basketball, retired, and went back to basketball, and he couldn't quite make the transition clean cut, right? Tom Brady, kind of the same thing. We see it with with Olympic athletes who spent their entire lives devoting to one identity, one pursuit, excellence in their field, their sport. When they get done, uh, their suicide rates are are through the roof. Their depression rates are through the roof, high and above the normal for their age ranges because of this identity question. How do I get through it? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Sorry, go ahead, Brad. I was just talking about Michael
3: Phelps as well, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I uh, There is no one formula or magic bullet or recipe for doing it except to say that you must forge your own pathway forward by going through. In other words, you can't turn away from this challenge, This transforming it into a invitation to say, this is not happening to me, but this is happening for me. How can I make this happened for me, you know, and it's about that narrative. So I know, especially law enforcement, I was talking with Nicoletti about this before, uh, last week, you know, the, the new pressures that we're facing in law enforcement uh, that make the job so hard, you know, there's obviously the job pressure and scrutiny, everything you do and say is on camera, uh, and there's an anti-cop attitude narrative out there. Uh, there always has been, but it, it's especially tough right now. There's also higher stakes if you're in a in, a, in kind of a critical incident or an officer-involved shooting, the shift in focus from, um, you know, the usual debrief that used to happen with those tragic incidents where you, somebody has to use their firearm to, hey, I might go to jail. It's not just safety here. Um, my my freedom might be on the line. Also, we know police forces are understaffed right now, uh, and there's an increase because of all of these things, family pressures. Your family is concerned about your safety, and is this really – what you need and want to do with your life. And so all of these things combine to to make the job hard. And when a crisis happens, how do you say, who am I now? Can I do another loss? Can I have another loss, another crisis, another tragedy? And then, as you said, Matt, get back on the horse. But each time it happens, I'm changing. Uh, I am the author of that change. You know? Most people say that their transformative experiences happen to them. Uh, from external circumstances over which they had very little control. But when we ask a few questions deeper in, in my work as a researcher, we ask, we ask probing questions, the opposite is actually true, that those transformations always come from within, except most people are oblivious to that; is unconscious. When we raise that to a conscious level and say, I get to write my own identity narrative, that's my process for going through and forging the identity that will carry me forward. I'm the author. Nobody else can do it for me. But if I have a group of comrades, they can help.
1: Let me jump in here a minute, Brad. So you're saying a couple things here that I want to make sure the audience is getting, and I always like to pull out some of these lessons learned. The first one is the narrative and the story is the first stage in being able to get through it. All right? It's the story. I want everybody to pause for a second. I want everybody to think about this. We talk about accountability in law enforcement, but to the point you made about punitive action, we don't allow people the process of accounting for the ability that they used at the time of the critical incident And as a result of not allowing people that accounting of what happened to them, we are limiting their ability to heal. Because the first thing we do in a critical incident is we separate the officer and they become isolated. We go right towards the investigation and the punitive action. And therefore, even the lessons learned from the error that created a critical incident, if there was an error, cannot be used to reprocess the experience so that there is a learning from it that others can gain because the body camera is now protected. The information from the body camera is now protected. And that officer who is in that process of, you know, administratively being processed doesn't get to deal with the accountability of what occurred. So, can I just want to make sure everybody hears that one of the biggest steps in healing and emerging successfully from a life-challenging situation is the narrative. And if we can't share the narrative, we can't heal. Am I making sense, Brad?
3: Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. You know, uh, we all live by our stories. You know, where the research is pretty clear, we are hardwired to translate all of our experiences into stories. Even this podcast will be translated into a story at the end of the day. When a when an experience is especially powerful, on the good side or the bad, it has the ability to impact our very special stories, our identity narrative. These are the stories that we tell ourselves and others about who we are in the world. And that governs our behavior, our choices. So this, your point, Kat, is that we can shape those narratives in order to change our lives and in order to take control of a situation that's out of control, like a post-traumatic stress. You know, Nicoletti was just talking about this last week with me as well. Um, the idea between post-traumatic stress recovery, TTS, and PTSD. Let's let's
1: pause right there. Let's pause right there, Brad. We're going to come right back to that conversation. What's the difference between a post-traumatic stress and an incident as you describe it? So don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times.
3: America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us
4: today. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well being domains. To go from great to Magnus, MagnusWorks balances individuals with real time, tailor made check ins, with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. magnusworks.com. That's magnus w o r x.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you Balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership.
1: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Kat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888 888- That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. We're talking to Brad McLean about his amazing book, Designing Transformative Experiences. We're talking about emerging successfully with a little bit of self-awareness. And recognizing that we have to create our own story, that story becomes the narrative that defines our identity, and flipping the switch on how we want to tell that story is the key here. So when we went to break, Brad, you were talking about differences between post-traumatic stress and something else. Pick that up right there.
3: Yeah, and I will mention, too, the the book Designing Transformative Experiences is designed for leaders and trainers, so people who are designing the training for police law enforcement of different stripes, right, uh, especially important to integrate this uh, idea of dealing with stress and the blue identity and the formation, because when they come out of that training for the first time and then iteratively over the career, uh, these professionals, law enforcement professionals, are shaping their identities. What's expected of them is the first level. What are the job duties? But also, who am I in this role? What purpose am I serving? How does it flow or not flow with my other identities? All of this can be attended to very intentionally with well-designed programs by, by trainers. And stress and, and the response, uh, you know, crisis intervention training. There's a crisis intervention training police officers receive about how to deal with an external crisis. Well, there's also one going on inside. Yeah? And usually, uh, you know, the, the police counselors and psychologists or, or post-traumatic, uh, stress treatment. And this is the one thing I'm talking to Nicoletti about. I keep talking about Nicoletti. You should just have him on the show. <laughs> you, should do you know, the, diff- <laughs> the difference you do between that? post-traumatic stress disorder, when you put that D on it, it's a disorder. It becomes a syndrome that labels you versus just post-traumatic stress, which doesn't label you, doesn't trap you in a box. And, in, and what he's doing with his uh, clients uh, of different forces across the country is post-traumatic growth. And so I was thinking, you know, what if we reframe this whole recovery and getting back from uh, a tragedy, an incident, a stressful situation as growth? If we frame it that way, and we also include it in law enforcement training, how to do this, how to frame these, these things that the shit is going to hit the fan? Sometimes sooner or later, multiple times probably, if you're in the job long enough, how can we integrate post traumatic growth into the training uh, from the get go? Now, I know a lot of police forces are doing just that in in, uh, collaboration with psychologists and counselors and post traumatic uh, interventionalists of, of different kinds all over the country. It's becoming normalized and it's also you know, becoming something that is using social science research uh, in a very practical way. How do we change that blue identity to something that will work for us going forward? How do we, as Matt said, so get Brad, back on the horse?
1: Yep. No. Uh, no. We're 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 all tracking here. Can you give our audience one press tip for how to take a post-traumatic stress situation and create a post? what we would call traumatic growth response to it. Now, I have an example, but I, you know, and I can share mine first, but I would love for you to to kind of think about how to, how yeah. to give that to people verbally. From, a, from a, a visual, and I use your three bubbles, by the way, um, that are in the book. Uh, I used them recently at a, a training in Montana on stress. And one of the things that, I think is critical, is recognizing that from every trauma, from every challenging, life-challenging situation, on the job, off the job, has an impact on us, and it's how we choose to take that story and learn from it, which gives us a growth mindset, versus become a victim of it, which creates a fixed mindset. and what we have to do is teach people how to flip the script from how did this hurt me to what did I learn from the experience and is the injury something that makes me more than not less than. So I'd love your take on that.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Amen to all of that. You know, the, the ability, you know, the, the things that, um, that, that profile police officers, you know, as candidates, good candidates for law enforcement. You know, the, the motivation for becoming a police officer, the identity usually almost always includes public service, health, and safety. Uh, you know, it's not, uh, people don't join the force to shoot bad guys, they're out there for the public good and to use their skills. And sometimes, you know, to have a big hammer to make sure that our public is safe. That's why they're doing it. They're good people with good motivations. That's gotta be there, right? Uh, they gotta have good impulse control, a uh, good attitude about their job and their personal contributions to it. You know, uh, we look at other aspects uh, of their history, you know, is both their criminal records and, and also the historical data from, from other professional roles they've played. And, of course, we know that the training in, involves a lot of simulation as well. Uh, but there's never enough time for all of the training that goes into shaping these identities. What about the component of being able to uh, adapt that narrative about who you are after an incident that comes? Right? So in my case with the space shuttle, I took it on as a personal responsibility to live up to the example of those people who had died and transform that tragedy into rocket fuel for my trajectory, for my life, and, and reframe it, as you say, flip the script into a growth mindset. Now, growth mindset, for those of you listening, look into this. Carol Dweck out of Stanford wrote a book called Mindset. She identified growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And, and I think a growth mindset can be summed up as the power of not yet. It's a power of potential. It's the saying that, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks is wrong. You know, the the thing that old dogs do really well, at least on the human side, is learn new tricks. Our capacity for learning and growth, usually untapped, is tremendous. And when we plug into that capacity, and and I urge people to do it through narratives to begin with, the narrative of who you are professionally as your role but also who you are as a person. And these things are growing. They're not supposed to stay the same. And after a critical incident, a traumatic incident, you're not going to be the same. Success is not getting back to normal. It's inventing a new normal that allows you and carries you into the future. And for many people, that makes them better at what they do. And for some people, it makes them change what they do or change their profession entirely. The response is up to each individual. What is the narrative we're telling ourselves about who we are in the world now uh, and what will it change? Talking with others, as Matt said earlier, not being isolated or cut off, talking with others who share our experiences you know, uh, and understand it uh, from personal experience themselves is the most powerful mechanism for shaping those narratives. Uh, there's no right and wrong for this. You know, it's an improvisational activity. And the growth mindset dictates that we try things out. You know, We're trying on different kinds of narratives like we're trying on hats. Which one looks the best? Which one feels the best? Is this going to work? That's not going to work. And finally, we arrive at a set of hats that's going to work for a while, at least until our head changes again, and then we're going to have to do it again. So the capacity and skills to do this need to be part of the training and the iterative training that happens with people who are in these high-stress jobs uh, so that you have the ability to ride the waves shoot the rapids and stay on the boat yeah Brad that was perfect i
2: love i love how you said uh at the end sail the boats you got to stay above water that's 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 awesome um a couple other things is that you know you mentioned components uh to adapt the narrative i'm going to take that and run with it because it is Um, I think that that speaks volumes, just the components to adapt the the narrative on what is our goals, who are we. Um, You know, you also mentioned, you know, the no-fail, never-quit growth mindset of, yeah, we get hit with a ton of bricks, but how many bricks are we going to allow to pile on ourselves before we lose our own Identity. Um, And uh, I love this conversation. I appreciate it. Um,
3: Now I have a question. Go, go, Matt. Go. No, go. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we're talking about some uh, pretty big ideas, shaping the narrative, but how do you actually do it? You know, in a short podcast like this, the practical tools for doing it, we just touched on. uh, My book is full of those things. Because one thing I definitely want is people not to become social scientists by reading a book, but to get something they can use out of it that's very practical. The entire second part of the book is about that. How do you do the narrative? How do you, as a trainer or a leader, help others to seize the steering wheel of their own identity narratives? That's what it's all about. Yes, that, that, that's. that's, that's <laughs> I, I'm I'm still processing
2: it, my man. But um, I tell you, it's uh, I'm so excited about it because we talk about this stuff and i've heard other podcasts talk about it but how you dial into the specifics of it brad um i think is just amazing so hey um so i have one more serious question before cat closes off um knowing you're, you're a little bit more about your background and uh you're traveling all the time you live in uh boulder colorado I'm sure that you love the outdoors. We talked about Estes Park, which is one of the most beautiful places in the nation.
3: What's your favorite pair of socks? (laughs) Oh, somebody else was on your podcast and warned me about this. They said, if you keep talking right up to the end, they might not have time for the sock question. (laughs) And I suppose you've gotten this answer before, but, you know, I'm, like I said, lifelong martial artist since I was 10 years old. I'm there 53 no now, <laughs> and I a, I have hobbit feet, right? I, my feet are my shoes and my socks, so I don't like yeah. to wear socks. I'd rather have my skin <laughs> flaking off, cracking. You know, the only time I ever wear socks is when I have such bad calluses and cracks. I have to put lotion on, and at night I put socks on so they get rehydrated, but I'm – I'm bear- kind of embarrassing to some of my colleagues. Like, I have to go to a symposium later today, and I'm seriously considering at least wearing sandals with my, my dress. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I no have sorry. to
2: tell you, Brad, you're the first person I actually talked about putting lotion on your feet. I don't
3: know <laughs> if I've ever actually done that. <laughs> it's the vulnerability I shared with you there, but, uh, you know, gold bond. Gotta gotta do it when the when the feet start to crack and ble it's dry here in Colorado. It's hard on us martial artists.
1: <laughs> Y'all are crazy. Hey, I just wanted to thank you so much, Brad, and uh forgive the quality of my voice today. I am struggling here with a little bit of a chest cold, but the one thing I wanted everybody in our audience to hear, which really resonated with me, is the power of not yet. Every one of us has the power of not yet. We can create our identity by the stories we decide to share that create who we are. We have one narrative, perhaps, of who we grew up as, and we flipped the switch on deciding we wanted to be something different, something maybe better, maybe something uh, that Bring some of that forth with us, but builds on it to be greater and more impactful to help more people. And some of us maybe in that career had some kind of a challenging situation that caused us to yet evolve again and again and again. And as human beings, we have to recognize that we all have the capacity To flip that switch through self-awareness and emerge successfully in whatever identity we choose, we don't have to be stuck because the power of not yet is in front of us. So I just want to make sure, right, that everybody gets that message today. And Brad, you've been an amazing guest yet once again. And again, make sure everybody goes out there and visits the host page so you get uh, the website Hey, Brad, why don't you give that to everybody while they're listening?
3: You know, to make it convenient, the website's the same as the book title, designingtransformativeexperiences.com, and that's also the name of my uh, business for leaders and trainers to teach them how to do this,
1: become masters of the art of
3: experience design leadership.
1: Well, we've had a wonderful time with you today. I can't thank you enough. A shout-out, love to all of our audience. Thanks so much for being with us today, Strategies for Turbulent Times. Until we see you, hear you, and love on you again, take good care and be safe out there.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. We hope Dr. Kat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless.